At the age of 29, Rachel Keel never imagined that the dizziness she experienced that morning in the copy room would be the beginning of her stroke journey. One that would change the course of her life, making her who she is today. A young stroke survivor and even more passionate about fitness and mobility. Hi, I'm Leilani Langdon, the host of What's Your Story, a place where we journey through the lives of others in order to inspire you, the listener, to know, own, and share your story. So make sure to lean in as you join us on today's journey. Welcome back to What's Your Story Live. This is Leilani Langdon. And guys, did you know, did you know that your brain is wired to ignore any information that does not match the stories you tell yourself? Did you know that your brain is wired to ignore any information that does not match the stories you tell yourself? Now, let me give you an example of that. So um, (laughs) let's say um, you drive a Honda Civic, okay? And you decide that it's time to upgrade your car. So you walk into the dealership and you look through all of the options and you see this beautiful maroon Range Rover. And you're like, that's it. That's my car. It's like you sit in it. The smell is good. It's fresh. You've never seen a maroon Range Rover. However, the moment you jump in that car and you drive it off the lot, Guess what? On your way home, you see five maroon Range Rovers. (laughs) Now, what just happened? How come you didn't see them before? Guys, this is what happens with your brain. Your brain is wired to ignore any information that does not match the story you tell yourself. So the question is, what story are you telling yourself? What you believe about yourself impacts impacts your ability to move forward, to live, to thrive, to live on purpose. If you've ever thought of yourself, I'm a failure. I'm not good enough. Let's go. Let's go with I'm a failure. Okay. I'm a failure. What's going to happen is that your brain is going to then go and find all the evidence it can find to support that belief. I am a failure. So you try something for the first time and you're scared but you do it anyway. And what happens? You make a mistake. And your brain says, instead of your brain saying, you made a mistake, you're learning, you're growing, this is gonna help you move forward. Your brain says, this is why you should have never tried in the first place. You are a failure. So what happens is that your brain naturally works, <laughs> works against you when you have the wrong narrative. So the wrong narrative equals false evidence. And the right narrative equals right evidence. And so it's important that you're telling yourself the right story. So how do you even tell yourself the right story? Well, you start by asking yourself the question, is what I'm telling myself or is what I'm believing about myself or this situation, is it true? Is it true? Right. And that takes some thought and and time because, again, your brain is searching for the evidence that supports what you believe. But if it's not true, then your job is to change that narrative because here's what happens. When you are telling yourself the wrong story, you're experiencing anxiety, fear, sadness, lack of meaning, hopelessness. You're feeling stuck. You're uncomfortable. But when you have the right narrative and your brain is taking in the right evidence, it brings purpose, peace, growth, hope, 
and development. And so today I'm challenging you that it's time to change the narrative. It's time to change the narrative. So instead of I am a failure, maybe saying I am always learning. Instead of saying I'm not enough, I am enough. Instead of saying I don't know that thing or I don't know enough. No, I have all the information that I need and I can learn more. So it's time to change the narrative. But in order to change it, you got to challenge it and start repeating the new story. Create a new story. Repeat the new story and share the new story. So without further ado, welcome Rachel Keel. Oh my goodness, Rachel. It's so good to see you. So tell us what's your story? Well, my story is in a nutshell and I will explain it, but I am a stroke survivor Mm. and I am now five years out from a stroke. Um, And I will tell you before I had that experience, I knew this much about strokes. Well, maybe like, maybe like this much. Basically all I associated with strokes was that like old people had them. That's what I thought. And like, like, yeah, your face droops and you have slurred speech. Okay. Basically none of that happened to me. Yeah, for sure. I was very shocked um, when I found out what had happened. So um, just to provide a little bit of context before I kind of hop into this story. Yeah. Um, A lot of people who know me now know me as someone who's like really big into health and fitness and wellness. And that certainly is part of my identity now, but that has not always been the case. Mm. Um, So I would say like most of my life, I was most of my life. I I describe myself like my natural stasis is actually couch potato. Most people think I'm, I mean, I am very active now, but like my (laughs) I love food and I love sitting around and I love watching movies. And that's really like where my heart is. Um, but we moved to Berrien back in 2011 and I knew like, I, I wasn't really happy with how I felt or how I looked um, leading up to that time. I never, as a teenager, as a, as a 20 something, like I never really felt like I had control of my body or like what it looked like or what it felt like. And so I would go on these kind of like exercise spurts or phases. I would train for a triathlon and then not exercise for like six months afterwards, (laughs) stuff like that. And then in 2013, um, some of our friends, one of them being Joyce Murphy, opened a CrossFit box in Berrien Springs. And I had never done CrossFit before. And so we signed up in December of 2013. And then it was just kind of like, a switch flipped (laughs) and Joyce and I became workout buddies and she became my best friend. And it just became like, we were there six days a week and we were spending all this time (laughs) just at the gym. And (laughs) in spring of 2015, I got certified as a CrossFit coach. And so then I was, I was there like so many hours per week. Joyce knows this. (laughs) Other people who are on here probably know this as well. My husband knows this. And Leilani, you and I certainly did workouts together. You know what it is. I I remember. Um, (laughs) Lilani was there too. So all that to say, um, at in 2016, the person I was at that point mm-hmm. was someone who was very active and being active was a huge part of my identity. Mm-hmm. So, um, it was March of 2016 and Joyce and I were there in the morning at the gym, getting ready to work out. And there was a rumor that went around that I was injured doing CrossFit. And this was not actually true <laughs> because we had not started a workout. I 
really wanted Joyce to get an Instagram picture for me for the gram. Okay. And I had this <laughs> idea. Gram, okay. Do it for the gram. I, Instagram gave me a stroke is really what happened. Oh, so, listen. Um, so I was like, I'm going to put two kettlebells down on the floor in front of the wall. I'm going to kick up into a handstand holding okay. the kettlebells. And then I'm going to shift to one hand and like take the pictures. Like Joyce is ready. She's got my phone and everything. I, it all goes according to plan. I kick up there. Yeah. Right. It does. I don't know what would give you that idea. So I like shift to one hand and she does a photo burst and she gets the image, but I'm there for like half a second. And then like the kettlebell falls over my arm wiggles and I fall so that like my face like smashes into the kettlebell and it hurt pretty bad. (laughs) And I hop up and I'm like, Oh my God. I was like, is it my bleeding? Like, and like, oh my gosh, I didn't break my nose. Like, I'm so lucky. (laughs) So I'm like super happy. We do our workout. I go home. I come back the next day. We work out again. And after that second workout on the second day, um, my neck started to hurt. Mm. And we had done some pressing or whatever. So I was like, oh, I think, I think that maybe I pulled something. I went home. I took some ibuprofen, which is a blood thinner, (laughs) probably uh, prolonged what happened here. And then I go to work, I'm feeling okay. And then all of a sudden at work, it's been probably 36 hours since I fell maybe. And I just start having this like throbbing pain back here in my neck. And I'm like, I'm trying to massage it. I'm trying to like get this knot out. And I'm like, oh man, I better go take some more ibuprofen. I get up to go make some copies, go to the copy room. I'm there at the copier. And all of a sudden, like the room starts to spin, (laughs) just like everything rotating behind me. And my, you know how kind of like um, if you get up too fast, like maybe after you've been sleeping or something and you get a little bit dizzy and maybe it like starts to, you know, like starts to black out, like maybe you're going to faint or something. I had that feeling. So I just, I immediately just like helped myself down to the floor but it was just like still spinning. Nothing was blacking out. Everything was just spinning. So then I just laid down on the floor and I'm just like watching the ceiling spin. And I'm like, surely this will go away. <laughs> so I lay there probably after about five minutes, a coworker comes in and is like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know. The room is spinning and I'm just waiting for it to stop. And oh my God. Are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine <laughs> or whatever. He leaves. The room is still spinning. Oh he comes my- back a few minutes later and is like, is like, what's going on? And I was like, um, you know, honestly, I don't feel so good at this point. The room has been spinning for like 10 minutes. So oh if gosh. you're just like on a, on a, you know, something that spins for 10 minutes, you <laughs> start to get sick. So, um, grabbed a trash can, started throwing up. Oh my God. Um, they called my husband and he came over with a coworker who was a nurse, which was nice. And, um, they're like, oh, you probably have food poisoning or something. At this point, I had thrown up probably two or three times and the room was still spinning. And I had never, I had never gotten sick, like the flu or like food poisoning where the room spun. And so I was just like, I don't know. And also after, after throwing up a few times, I did not feel any better. And you know how like kind of, you throw up and you're like, oh, okay. At least for a little while. No No relief whatsoever. Um, at this point I couldn't stand up because just like There's everything was spinning. So they put me in a, a chair with wheels on it and they wheeled me out to the car and, and they brought me over to our apartment here in the men's dorm. And so took me inside. And at this point I, I thought I was feeling a little bit better. I wasn't feeling so nauseous anymore. And then all of a sudden my neck started to hurt again. This mm. has maybe been like 45 minutes since the onset of symptoms. Wow. And um, 
right before Donnie, my husband is about to like start giving me a neck massage or whatever, the whole like left side of my body, just like head to toe doesn't go numb or it's not paralysis. I just basically had no control. So I could maybe like lift up my arm. I think I reached over to grab my phone or something and I couldn't, I couldn't like control my arm. And I was like, Donnie, I can't like, I can't do stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Something's wrong. So at that point, um, we were like, it's time to go to the ER went to the ER, but even all this, I like, I still, I don't know what a stroke is, never crossed my mind, don't know what's going on. I really had no working theory for it. I think I was just feeling really grody. And so I, hadn't, right. like, you just, I like, wasn't like, what's going on? I was just like, please help me somebody. Somebody, so yeah, make it we stop. get to the ER and luckily um, they know immediately to run a stroke protocol based really? on what Donnie tells them that like she, she was vomiting. Um, she's really nauseous. The room is spinning and her left side is, uh, like she's unable to move her left side or control it. And they knew right away. Now, since then I learned a lot of people my age, like who would be considered a young, I was 29 at the time. Wow. So a lot of people my age are misdiagnosed from a stroke. Even at the hospital, they don't run what's called like the stroke protocol and do the proper wow. procedures and testing and whatever for that, because they just assume like you're not, you're not a likely candidate for it. And sometimes people are sent home and because of that, the deficits are long-term and very bad. So that was kind of like the first big blessing that we experienced in that is just that immediately at Lakeland ER here in St. Joe, they knew what to do. So yeah. they started doing scans, MRIs. They um, they came in and they said, we see there's like a blockage in the, in the back of your neck. And even that didn't like send off a red flag for me. I was like, oh yeah, blockage. <laughs> and they're like, we need to do um, this uh, like treatment. It was basically a super powerful blood thinner but like we needed to sign paperwork for it because it can kill you <laughs> if done what? improperly or if you were to fall <laughs> soon afterwards or something, it's like- powerful enough. Yeah. So we were like, oh man, should we do that? We, we signed the paperwork. We did that. Um, and then they transferred me to the ICU. So once they administer that blood thinner, they send you to the ICU because Some nothing can happen to you. Yes. Um, now, as a side note, for people who don't know much about strokes um, is that basically it's really important to know the onset of symptoms if you can, because you have a three hour window. And if, when you get to the hospital, you're able to tell them when those symptoms start and it's within three hours, they will administer that type of treatment. They will give you a really powerful blood thinner that will get things moving, get more blood circulating through the brain, possibly um, break up a clot or something like that. And then your outcomes will be much better. But it is, like I said, it's very dangerous. And so if they don't, after three hours, it's really not going to make much of a difference. So if you don't know when those symptoms are, they won't do it. (laughs) So a lot of people, this is another big blessing. I mean, like I said, it had been 36 hours. And a lot of people might have it immediately, but sometimes people have it in the middle of the night. And they might wake up, go back to sleep, knowing they don't feel very well. They wake up paralyzed. And wow. so um, <laughs> I felt super, super fortunate long-term once I realized what had happened, that Ooh. I was with people <laughs> and that yes. um, we were able to get the treatment and have the details right that we away. needed. So 
I go to the ICU. Um, they wake you up like every hour and they're constantly having you do tests to like squeeze Mm. things and push things and pull things. And that was the first time that they were like, Oh, I think you should be back to normal in maybe like three months. And I was like, what? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like three months, which, um, for many stroke survivors is a very short recovery time, but I, that was kind of my first like realization that this was probably something serious. Um, and the next day they, um, they, they sent in several people, several specialists to kind of evaluate things. This is part of the stroke protocol. So the first person that came in was actually a speech therapist. Now, the way that strokes work, um, is that they, they've affected a certain part of your brain and Mm. the whole, like you only use 10% of your brain. And I just heard this on a show last night too. People still say this. It is not true. You guys like all of your brain is being utilized 100% of it. Okay. So, um, any aspect, like any area of your brain where there's tissue death, um, you will experience side effects from that. So your brain is full of synopsis. All of the synopsis are synopses. Synapses are responsible for the way you think, feel, move, talk, right. sense, experience, whatever. So basically uh, a stroke is you, well, there's different kinds. Maybe I'll just get to that when they diagnose it. But anyways, um, some it's common that strokes affect speech, but it's certainly not always the case. Okay. So the speech therapist comes in and she's like, I'm here because they ran a stroke protocol. And I was like, come again, <laughs> like a what? And she's like, but you're talking fine. I bet you didn't even have a stroke. I don't know why she told me that. Um, but she does her little tests and she's like, great job. And I'm like, yeah, I did a great job. I probably didn't have a stroke. Right. And then the next person that comes in is an occupational therapist. And they're like, well, we're going to see if you can stand up. And I was like, well, certainly of course I, can. I can stand up. And I could not. <laughs> so oh, no. I, um, that was when I realized I couldn't walk anymore <laughs> for the time being. Um, so I was like, okay. Then physical therapist came in. Um, a neurologist came in a little bit later and that's when they tar- started, they still weren't diagnosing it, but we're saying, yeah, we think there's like a really strong, you know, possibility that you had a stroke, wow. but I, I think was hanging on to what the speech therapist had said. You're um, fine. I, I was very, very tired at this point. I was exhausted. I hadn't had any good sleep. I had a brain injury. Like, so I'm like, oh, it's probably not that thing. That night, they take me and do an MRI, and um, I'm in recovery at this point. I don't have to be in the ICU anymore. And a couple of residents come in to let me know what the diagnosis is now. And um, I'm still very tired, and they're like, so it appears that you've experienced, I think what they called it was a cerebellar infarction. And I was okay. like, immature me is like, yes. a fart what? <laughs> like, what is that? <laughs> yeah, did you say fart? <laughs> And then they're like, no, infarction, like a stroke. Mm-hmm. And I was like, like a stroke or I had a stroke. And they said, you had a stroke. Oh, my gosh. So, <laughs> so you're like, still like. <laughs> yeah, still like not willing to accept this reality for some reason. Oh, my um, goodness. So that's, that's what it was. And I was like, okay, I, I had no idea what questions to ask or whatever. Um, I think they told me the same thing, like, yeah, based on what we've observed, you'll probably be back to normal in a few months. So good for you. <laughs> and I was like, okay, but my whole life, 
Yeah. Also at that point, I was like, they have no idea what normal is for me. <laughs> so normal for me is hours of activity every single day and teaching other people how to do things. And um, I will also say at this point that several of the doctors and nurses had been like, wow, this should have been way worse. Or wow, really? you really seem like you're already bouncing back way faster than we expected. And they were all attributing that to fitness. And so I had two or three people be like, so what do you do to work out? Like, what is it that you're... Can you coach me you once really you... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> once one, of the, one of the other things, I had like really low resting heart rate. Right? They had to reset the machine because it kept, it kept like alerting them that I was dying or whatever. <laughs> and so um, they're like, man, you have a really strong, a really strong heart. And that this is another reason why it probably took so long for the symptoms to set in. Wow. So anyway, um, at that point, I kind of, I was kind of like, man, if this had happened a couple of years earlier, like, Ooh, I, I don't, I don't know what would have happened. And in the ER, like, actually, when I first got there, I kind of skipped over this part. They, so the first thing they asked me before they, I knew anything about it being a stroke or whatever, they said, um, have you had a chiropractic adjustment? And I was like, no. And then they said, have you um, been in a car accident maybe recently? And I said, no. And I, then I was like, well, I fell on my head yesterday and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, definitely. So I will explain what actually happened at this point. So when I fell on my head, it hyperextended my neck, it, like pushed my face back very okay. quickly. So, and I try to avoid throwing my neck back now. Please don't do that. Yeah. So when, <laughs> when that happens, like with an extreme angle, it will pinch the artery shut. Now okay. it's, it's supposed to design, it's designed to just pop right back open. Right. But basically what happened is that the inner layers stuck together and the outer layers pulled open. It's called a dissection and okay. it creates a blockage. So there's no blood passing through. So it's not a clot. It's a dissection or an occlusion is a blockage. Sure. Um, so that, that is what happened. So that creates an ischemic stroke in this in this case, which means that because of a blockage, there's a loss of blood. A hemorrhagic stroke would mean that you've had some kind of rupture somewhere in the something brain burst. or in the blood flow leading. Yeah, something burst. And same thing, it's still interrupting the blood flow just in a different way. So this was an ischemic stroke. Um, typically, you're affected, like the affected side of your brain, it will be like the opposite effects on your body, like the opposite side of the body. Okay. But this was below the brain stem. So the dissection was in my vertebral artery. So loss of blood to my left side cerebellum. So my left side of the body was affected. And your cerebellum is responsible for like a lot of your motor movements, like your body. So my speech was not affected. My, I didn't get confused or anything like that. Oh, wow. um, a lot of, that would be a different part of the brain. So all of it was like movement, balance, wow. some vision stuff like that. Okay. So, um, we get the diagnosis the next day. I'm supposed to leave the next day. So like within Wait. two days, they're like, okay, you can go. Go where? Wait, go home. <laughs> so but you like, can't we walk. Everything we can. Right. So I, yeah, I, oh could, my gosh. I could walk like a little at this point. Okay. Um, I wasn't actually going to mention this, but when I got home, I did a couple things. Like they had told me not to be active, not to move around a lot because your brain cannot handle the, the motion, like ah, being jostled at that point. Yeah. And I ended up going on a car ride to get my hair done because I was like, 
if I'm like, if I'm feeling nasty, girl, I got to look good. And I had a hair appointment. I was like, I cannot reschedule this. So I had a friend. I don't know if she's on here. Renee, my friend Renee Paddock, drive me. And neither of us knew. Like, oh she drives me down to the God. hair salon in Granger, which is like 40 minutes oh away. Oh, my gosh, Rachel. I get there, go straight to the bathroom, vomit a bunch, and then come get my hair done. Like, they're like, how are you? I'm like, oh, I had a stroke on Tuesday. <laughs> um we, she, we ride back home. Exactly. I get home. I vomit my brains out. Oh my and then gosh. I can't walk. So Ooh. I actually could. I was like not walking well. Um, it was very, I needed help. I had to be held or whatever. Sure. But after that, I basically like could not walk on my own at all. Mm. So, um, yeah, some of the thing the, the walking was a big one. Balance was like out the door. Um, I had continued vertigo. So that basically continued for about six months and just got progressively less and less until it stopped. Oh my God. But initially it was still just like constant spinning. So I was very nauseous for maybe like, I don't know, five or six days. And then eventually I think my body and my brain were just like, Oh, this is this. Everything moves now always. So it's okay. (laughs) Um, So yeah, that, those were some of the initial things I had a plane of double vision, like in my left eye Mm -hmm. that just like, over time shrunk and shrunk. So if I am trying to pluck my left eyebrow or yeah. like do something like that, that is difficult because I still have a little plane mm-hmm. of double vision, but like nothing that I would notice now, like sure. just looking around. But then it was it was quite quite a bit more. Yeah. Um I uh I had no like temperature sensation for a long time, which was actually awesome because I was just like the right temperature for like two months. I just like never was hot, never was cold. And I was hoping that would never go away. And it's, it did, but did. that was pretty cool. <laughs> um, and had no, like, I didn't know this for a long time, but like had no. So in general, I could still like feel if things were hot or cold. It was just like my internal temperature was set to a certain something, but I actually couldn't feel temperature on my left leg. That was like a random thing. The first time I tried to get into the hot tub, it just felt like I could feel water. I could feel all that stuff, but it felt just like my body temperature or whatever that went away eventually. Um, yeah, a bunch of little things like that. So I, for the first couple of weeks, I was just like completely exhausted couldn't walk. Donnie had to help me do everything. He was still working full time, um, was feeding me meals and getting me to the shower and all this stuff. Um, if I like, like stayed awake for maybe a couple hours and talked to some people, I would have to take a nap because like, if I like going out to the living room to watch TV was like a huge thing. (laughs) Like, like, um, if I held my head up for a couple of hours, I would be exhausted. And I was like, this must be how babies feel. Like, (laughs) Cause they're all like, they have to like figure out how to hold their head. I was like, my head is so heavy. Like, so that, that lasted probably. <laughs> and then walking around the way I was, I was like, I am a giant adult baby. Like this is how babies feel. Um, so eventually my energy came sure. back up. I still had to be super careful. Um, but it did, it did get better after a couple weeks. I could get around by myself. I did like what's called the drunken sailor walk, which is like super wide feet. Mm. And I just like holding on to the walls, like a drunk person all the time. Um, And Donnie would be like super nervous. Like he did not want me to walking anywhere. And I'm like, dude, I gotta pee and you're not always here. I don't know. I gotta figure it out. I gotta figure it out. So 
it got easier after a couple weeks. Um, the the headache started, which is a really common uh, symptom, like post stroke, and they want you just to like rest and not do anything. And then all of a sudden you get these like drastic headaches, which would just feel, I don't, I, I don't know if they're the same for everyone. They're probably not, but it would be like, and I, I still get them sometimes. This is just how I get headaches now. Um, if I get one, but it would, it would just feel like basically someone like hit you over the head with a bat. Ooh. So it, it would maybe not last for very long. Like it would just There's be like, a huge, a like, like Ooh. pain. And you would be like, and then it would be gone. But initially, like maybe two weeks after I got home, it was all the time, all Ooh. the time. They had put me on like really strong painkillers that lasted for probably about a month. Oh my just like goodness. headaches, like so, so I would just be like crying. I'm not someone who's had migraines before or anything like that it was not something I was used to. So I'd just be like, oh, I just want to sleep. I'm in so much pain, that kind of oh thing. Um, but eventually those went away, which is nice. And now if I get them, it's just like a couple second thing. So if you're ever talking to me and I'm like, it's because I have a headache and then it will go away. Uh, but yeah, after, I mean, I couldn't work um, right. for probably about a month. And then I was working home from home for a while after that. Looking wow. at a computer screen was definitely hard. But um, I was also finishing my master's degree. So that was supposed to be my last semester of classes. And that was March, like I said. So like April would be the last month of classes. Um, I, I'm trying to remember the class we were taking, but I think it was, I mean, I did educational psychology. A lot of my classes were about the brain. <laughs> so my instructor was super understanding and really nice. And I was able to finish the class and do all the requirements wow. and take my comps in June and finish my degree, which was huge That's for amazing. me. I was, like, I was like, I am not waiting around for this. Like I'm not putting it off. It needs to happen. Wow. Um, so yeah, huge blessing. Um, those like few months following, like maybe after about two months, I started going back to the gym. And at first, like, Joyce will remember I would just like hang out and like watch, watch stuff like my thing for the day would be to go <laughs> and then I'd be like good job guys <laughs> and then after a while it was like okay I'll like use these super light weights or I'll just do everything unweighted um if there was a run I'm doing my little like drunken speed walk or whatever um and that was really important for me, that's another thing. If this had happened earlier in my life, I just don't think I would have the same motivation to get back to where I'd been. And um, a lot of people would be like, oh, do you think you'll be able to do that stuff again? And I'd be like, uh, yeah, yeah, that's not an option. Like I yes. need to I need to get back get to back where I was anything. before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that was, I, that was one of the bigger challenges is over like maybe the next six months to a year was trying to find the line of what was okay, what wasn't okay, what was pushing myself too hard. Um, and also like, that was really hard for Donnie too. Like this whole experience was very, in some ways I think harder for him, yeah. um, like facing my mortality. <laughs> and then yeah. also me being like, I'm gonna go back to the gym, like, which is where it happened. <laughs> and right. him being like, Fear. what are you doing? Like we would get into a lot of like, little arguments Shifts, and things yeah. like that. Just like being frustrated with each other. Yeah. Um, well, feeling over, helpless, like, right? I need to do. Yeah. Yes. Like, like trying to, trying to find that balance. Um, and I know, yeah, my friends will tell you there were many times I was just like, when you're in a gym environment, especially like a competitive one, like CrossFit, um, there's that feeling of like, 
everyone is co- like everyone is continuing everyone is progressing everyone is yes, getting pr and you're yes. like backwards like yes. you're moving in reverse or whatever yes. which was hard it's a little thing but um it definitely gave me a lot of motivation to work hard and also during that time one of the other huge blessings was um we had tried to arrange physical therapy through the hospital okay. and they were like yeah we can we can schedule you for like 2 months from now or something what? like that no. And everyone was saying like, oh, you know, like the, the, it should happen as soon as possible. Right. And so um, we talked to somebody here on campus because we have a physical therapy department and I was able to do all my physical therapy here at no cost. Wow. Didn't have to pay anything. Yeah. It was, it was so much better. Um, so that was a huge thing that, and the combination of just kind of like working out at my own pace and yes. doing a lot of different things, like doing CrossFit, doing Zumba, which I can remember there was like a song where we would like clap. And every time I would like miss for a long time. And I was like, funny this is really good laughing. for me. I need to keep doing this. <laughs> um, yeah. Things like that. So um, yeah, I mean, recovery felt very slow. Yeah. Um, I think compared to a lot of other people's journeys, which I've connected with so many people since then through social media um, that have like everyone's experience is super unique, super yeah. different, but there are so many people my age, similar circumstances that were not able to have the same resources wow. or were not able to get the diagnosis in time, things like that. And so Um, I feel super fortunate and blessed and I just feel the responsibility to kind of share the experience to help other people understand about strokes. Um, another like resource that I found pretty soon afterwards, it's called NOPW, which stands for National Orange Popsicle Week. And it was created by a stroke survivor and her husband, um, just to kind of like get the message out and be a support, um, to young stroke survivors and raise funds and things like that. And, um, connected with them and kind of like made the orange popsicle my own personal mantra as well. I actually have a little tattoo oh, of it. Cool. Um, and my website is orangepopsiclefitness.com. Um, so yeah, there were just, there were so many connections, so many resources. And I feel like, man, if I could, if I could go back and kind of like do it all again, I would. Like, I think wow. it's been such a, an important part of making me who I am and, and creating change in me for the better and making me a stronger version of myself. Donnie calls me Rachel (laughs) 2.0 because now (laughs) I just, I feel way braver and way more capable and way more confident. Um, But yeah, I think there were, there were, well, a, a lot of times people, I'll just, as a little side note, a lot of times people ask me what some of my deficits still are. Very small things to that, like, I don't nor- notice normally on a daily basis. But before um, before we started tonight, I was telling Leilani, like, oh, my, what's oh, this one? My eye is, like, so droopy today. Like, this one just, like, will never open quite as much. Like, if I'm smiling in pictures, I have to squint the other one to make them even. Yeah, yeah. Um, not a big deal. I still have a little bit of the double vision. Um, this eye tends to get pretty dry, but also much easier to put a contact in for some reason. So that's a, that's a nice little <laughs> side note. Um, anything that's like a balance challenge that I've never done before, I feel like is extra difficult for me. Still very capable. If I can practice, I can do it. But I'll get like really uneasy. Like if I like am climbing down an embankment or something Oof, like that, yeah, I yeah, feel yeah, like yeah. 
I'm not very sure-footed, so I try to be careful with that. If I lie flat at 180 degrees, I often will still get vertigo. Like the room will start to spin, and I'll feel like an overwhelming, um, yeah, just sense of wow vertigo. Yeah, so that kind of still happens, but not regularly. Um, still have a little bit of tingling in my fingers, nerve sensitivity in my feet, that kind of thing. But it's like little little things. So sure. Little, so, Normally don't notice it at all. Um, wow. Yeah. And then I would say like, I do feel like I've learned a lot and like I've experienced a lot of blessings with this. Like I said, I would do it again. Um, but yeah, just to kind of like summarize some of the things that I think were such a blessing to me. First of all, it affected my left side, which made life so much easier because I'm right-handed. Um, also, like I said, it happened during the day and not in the middle of the night. So we knew exactly when the symptoms started. That was huge. Um, and like I said, the fact that this happened at a point in life when um, like health and fitness was a big part of my life. I was more prepared for something like this and to recover from something like this. I was healthier, stronger. And this actually is the type of stroke that can and does happen to anyone, including kids, young people. So wow. they had told me at the hospital that they'd seen people who, while backing up the car, turned their head very quickly and it had that kind of stroke. No. Um, people that had been hit in the face with objects, like maybe at a, a sporting event, like a hockey puck or something like that, or people that had been on roller coasters um, or head banging. <laughs> so anything that might cause whiplash can cause that type of dissection with the artery. The blockage. <clears throat> so I always tell people to be really careful. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's something that could have happened to me at any point and could happen to anyone. But the fact that it happened at this point in my life and not at a different point in my life, I think is really mm -hmm. awesome. Um, this experience has given me a lot, a lot of opportunities like this yes. right now, but I've been able to speak for other things and just share that experience. And I hope, hope, hope that like the information that I share with other people, if it like clues them in to, you know, notice that someone yes. else is having a stroke or notice that they might be having a stroke. And it's not always a stroke. The symptoms for a stroke are pretty common across the board with brain injuries. They often get misdiagnosed as concussions, especially for young people. So, um, the, the think fast is like the way to remember the stroke symptoms. So F is face drooping, A is arm weakness is kind of what, the, which is kind of like what I described, the lack of control. Yes. And um, S is slurred speech. And then T would be, sometimes they uh, describe it as time to call 911 or note the time of the symptoms, that type of thing. Wow. So those are really common symptoms. But like I said, That's, I didn't yeah. have all of those. So confusion vertigo, nausea, um, leg weakness, or like same thing or one-sided. Um, uh, the headaches can also be a symptom. Um, so there, there are a lot of different symptoms that are related to brain injuries mm -hmm. or some type of neck injury um, that could mean a stroke or could mean something else that's also serious. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to, yeah, to get, get to the hospital right if you see that in someone. Um, but yeah, this, this experience gave my life a lot of direction. Um, it really solidified that I, I think that God saved my life <laughs> and yeah, he like absolutely. orchestrated it in a way that like they, I was able to experience so many blessings, but health and fitness was a part of that. Like my fitness helped save my life as well. And I tell people a lot that like it's 
you often feel like it's important to make your health a priority now because, you know, it will prevent something down the road. But there's a lot of things that might happen that you could never prevent. So like being in a car accident or or like falling, injuring yourself in some way, or maybe you get cancer or whatever. And if your body is healthy, like, like if you've done what you can to prepare yourself now, then your chances of recovery or the way that you will recover can be so much faster. Um, So it's important right now, even if you are 16 years old, I talk to college students all the time. They feel invincible. They feel like they don't have to worry about any of that stuff. But I'm like, Hey, this can happen to anyone. Okay. So you need to be healthy right now. (laughs) Um, But yeah, this kind of like set the course for my life. I was in residence life at the time here at Andrews and I've just kind of like shifted more and more towards health and fitness. And now Today, I'm the director of university wellness here at the university, so I do think it had, like, the experience really set the course for my life and kind of solidified um, what I'm doing. And I'm seeing some of the comments here. Hi, Jenny and Joyce. Oh, my gosh. Um, But, um, yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think the biggest thing that's kind of blown me away is just the way that God is able to use something that um, I believe, you know, like, Satan intends certain things to destroy you and to harm you and to hurt you. And I think the greatest miracle, the most amazing thing about the God that I believe in is that he's able to take those things meant for destruction and use them for your benefit. Same thing. Whatever that thing is, just takes it and is like, you know, actually, I'm just going to, here it is. And it it will actually really help you out. Yes. (laughs) Like, um, I'm not big on like the punishment mindset where God is like punishing us and selecting all these difficulties because we live in an awful world and our actions affect everyone around us. And we have the ability to make our choices and we face consequences for those. But in spite of all that, God is still able to just take awful, horrible things and just be like, here, I'll just like use this to make you a better version of yourself. But you <laughs> like, know what, Rachel, it's so powerful because, um, you know, not only were you changed and you transformed and, and, and God was faithful in turning this seemingly, you know, situation that could have kept you stuck forever, right? He transformed you. And now as a result, you're transforming other people. We just talked about it at the beginning of the show, right? That, that the wrong narrative um, can keep you stuck feeling hopeless, but the right narrative can bring freedom, peace, development, growth. Girl, listen, this is controlling your narrative and your story. And one of the things that is so inspiring to me as I'm hearing your story is the fact that you share it. You share something that is so difficult for anyone to experience and you share it with peace. You share it with ingratitude. You share it with this almost just lighthearted um, feeling, right? And and that has to do with more with what you're telling yourself than, than anything else. So, you know, I guess the question I have for you is what, you know, how did you come to a place to, 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 to live out this experience in such a positive way, right? Um, yeah. Well, I, 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 another thing, that I think speaks to this is that throughout the experience um, there was, I cannot remember a time where I was ever afraid. Mm. And I don't say that as something like that really speaks to the type of person I am necessarily. I think that's really just like 
God (laughs) living in me. Like, I think it was really scary for other people in my life, but as I was living it, there was never a time where I felt fearful. Mm. And a lot of times the verse that would come to mind for me, I don't remember where this is found right now, but I'm pretty sure it's Paul that says, count it all joy when you face trials of many kinds. And that was huge for me because throughout the experience, like, and I got so much support from people, so much love from all over the place. Like people, I didn't even feel like I knew very well. I had so much joy through that process and it was not joy in spite of what was happening. It was not joy after what happened. It was joy in the midst of what was happening. And I was like, Girl. that that is how you count it all joy. Woo! Okay. Like, okay, like Rachel. Paul's not being like, oh, it's all going to be fun and exciting and whatever. He's like, it doesn't matter what's going on by the grace of God. You can still experience joy through yes. your friendship. And I had that 100%. Woo! And it made it. It made me want to talk about it. It made me want to share it. Yes, <laughs> making me do what I was experiencing. So. <laughs> um, tell us, you know, what has what did it inspire you to do? Yeah, so I definitely. I mean, at that point, I think I was very focused on like CrossFit fitness or whatever. Yeah, and um, I think I started to realize that like just like a bigger picture to wellness and health and fitness overall, and so around that time, I kind of just like developed the goal of like every year I'm going to get a new certification or just Mm. learn something different in health and fitness. Like I'm not going to go back to school at this point. Like I just finished my master's degree, but I was like, (laughs) and then when opportunities come around, like I'll be ready for that. So, um, yeah, I had done the CrossFit certification. Um, I did like a mobility certification. I did like a, a personal trainer after that. So I started doing like a personal training business. Just we built a, a gym in our garage. Really, Donnie built it for me, which is really nice. And um, I was training a lot of people for a while. I actually kind of wore myself out doing that um, and then realized like, I felt like I needed way more information about nutrition. So I did a nutrition certification and just kind of tried to like grow that knowledge base um, and was able to get more opportunities over time. So um, when I transferred over to Lamson really soon after the stroke, because I actually took your place at Lamson, what you're talking about, um, I started managing the health club there, which gave me some really great experience. And I started, I was personal training that or doing personal training um, I became a group fitness instructor. So when our wellness center opened, I started teaching there right away. Wow. And then um, less than a year later, uh, after it had opened and the pandemic started. So last Ooh. year, um, their manager was leaving. They were furloughing people on campus and moving wow. people around. And they're like, well, you've been helping out there. Do you think you could just like step in and try to keep, what? I mean, the center wasn't open at this time. What? So it wasn't like a huge stretch or whatever. Sure, sure. Can you take care of some of the stuff that's going on? And I was like, yeah, sure. And that turned into an interim position and that wow. turned into um, a permanent position and that turned into university wellness. And I, it's, it's clearly just like a road I know God is yes. taking me down yes. and everything kind of just like points in that direction and gives me new experiences. And, um, yeah, it just, I, I mean, another thing that this has done for me is just, I know there's a lot of people who feel like 
I could never get healthy. I could never be fit. That's not the type of person I am. Or they've, they've faced whatever complications or, or roadblocks to their health and fitness. I've been there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So yeah. I can, I can sure. relate to that. Like I For hear sure. what you're saying. It's valid, yeah. but like, let's go down this road. So, mm. yeah. Rachel, oh my goodness. I am just so thankful to you for sharing your story and being willing um, to do that so courageously and so vulnerable, being so vulnerable and really showing us what an example of um, joy and adversity looks like. And so thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you for next week's episode. If you were inspired by today's story, make sure to follow, rate, and review this podcast. To watch the full live show, head over to Leilani Langdon on YouTube and don't forget to subscribe. And remember, purpose is found in knowing, owning, and sharing your story. So the question is, are you ready to share yours?